This is Tajay Spears. You're listening to Player Profile. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sonic Truth. I mean, welcome back to the Future Cast with Cody Carpenter. You can find me on Twitter at Carpenter NFL. With me this week, almost always, but sometimes never, the outraged one, Nate Liss at an outraged Jew. Welcome back to the feed, Mr. Nate Liss, DynastyRankings.com. How are we doing? I'm good, man. I think uh, I think this is the first time I've been on Player Profiler in quite a few months. Uh, Freudian slip on the Sonic Truth intro there. Don't know if that's staying in or not staying in. Uh, but yeah, man, you know, look, Cody, anytime Cody Carpentier reaches into the DMs and says, Nate, listen, man, can you feature? I go, Cody, fuck yes. I'll be anywhere you need me anytime. That's why I'm here. Maybe a slip, maybe just a, a natural habit when I see you because mm. I sat mm. in so many chats and watched and and I, just listening to your uh, mannerisms, I guess, of speaking. I just kind of naturally fell into that one there. But uh, it's yes. been about a year since we were boots on the ground uh, in Las Vegas together, seeing each other in the flesh where we housed a good amount of uh, Cheez-Its and uh, a couple of beers. You know, great. Yeah, last yeah, week you were on the rainy coast. You know, how, how you been? How you been? You've been uh, quiet, but you've yeah. been on the YouTube and you've been cranking out on DynastyRankings.com. How is, uh, how's everything going? I appreciate it, man. Yes. So uh, I am always on YouTube. Um, that's been kind of the, that's been kind of the new challenge for me. Um, I, you know, I always love social media. I love Twitter. I love Facebook, these other items, but really with sort of the level that I've always tried to go. And you and I talk about this from like more of a creative perspective, design graphics, different things that like YouTube really lends itself more that way. Um, so I've been trying to chase the challenge of that. It's obviously difficult, you know, how YouTube goes. Um, so I've been doing that. And of course, uh, been working on dynastyrankings.com uh, for a while now. It seems like forever. In my mind, it feels like I've been working on this for at least a decade. Um, but we're getting close to launching. Just pushed back our launch date a little bit uh, for reasons that I can't get into. I don't want to use up all your bandwidth and airtime with my tears. But anyway, so we're, you know, we slowed down a little bit. Got to get through a couple of hurdles, but it's on the way. So that's where all my time's been. And otherwise, I'm laying solo, Cody. Solo. I don't know why. I I, I know you're just eating cheese. It's watching tape on these guys. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Why so low? Why so, why so low in the, in the off season? I feel like this would be a, a I follow the Patreon eight patreon.com forward slash and outrage Jew. You should, I know uh, you post there three or four times a week. You have some mm-hmm. in-depth pieces eh, a little bit low, but uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, man, it's, it's funny. So one direction I've really tried to go one direction. It's a horrible band, by the way, uh, one direction that I've <laughs> tried to go with my, With my content these days, I've always been a guy who's really into advanced metrics, but what I've really tried to lean into more this year, since I've linked up with some other people with our website, I've really tried to lean more into sort of correlation and metrics that actually matter because so often we find ourselves citing these advanced metrics that if you looked at the data and really looked at what correlates, you find out that a lot of these are bullshit and they don't correlate as strongly as you'd expect. So I've been trying to write articles where I'm diving more into some of these you know, advanced corollary metrics that just don't really get recognized. So if you guys want to check that out, you can, but also I'm not spamming uh, Twitter with these articles. So that's probably why it appears like I'm laying low. So Cody's right. I am pretty active over there on Patreon, but otherwise um, draft season, man, I'm giving you the runway, Cody. I don't want to step on your toes. I'm just, listen, what's, what's Oprah's husband's name? Is it Gail? Is that right? Is it, is she that, has a husband. Yeah, Oprah has a husband, man. Come on. I mean, I thought she was single. No, of course not. It's the big O. Oprah's obviously. Everybody wants to be with Oprah. Here's the thing, though. Like, he's the guy that's getting in the background. Right now, this is your time of the year. Listen, I don't want to step on your toes. It's an exciting time. I have been keeping tabs on this player's. Uh, I've been looking at the show sheet that you've got. It's going to be exciting because I think this is very meat and potatoes. So that's going to be fun. And that's the direction we're going. But I am still laying low. 
You prefer meat and potatoes. I prefer beef and sour cream. So let's get into the discussion. Mm. I want to talk about this deep, deep, deep running back class right after this ad from the Podfather. Oh, hey, it's uh, Mr. Breakout Finder coming at you. The Breakout Finder features three key tools. A database of metrics that includes speed score, college dominator, breakout age, but also breakout finder only stats like dynamic score, level of competition, teammate score. All of these things are part of the overall breakout finder algorithm that pinpoints the probability that a player will break out. Everyone's talking about my model does this and my model does that. Well, we give you the data points that go into the model. We have a feature that lets you compare players and then we give you the precise probability of every wide receiver, every running back sorted and filterable by class year. So when I'm talking to my friends and I need to show them why I'm so bullish on player X, I pull out the breakout finder and bam, there he is. So go to the app store, go to Google play. It's five bucks to get the breakout finder. And then a couple extra bucks to get some of these additional enhanced stats, go download it and thank me later. It's a great tool, by the way. Breakout Finder, great tool. When I was uh, when I was asked to run that ad this week, I uh, I smiled. <laughs> That's good. Well, no, listen. I hey, I, I understand that that thing that app is is phenomenal. Uh, the information behind it's great. So I'm a totally respect. It. I think it's awesome. You're the OG of the Breakout Finder. So shout out to you, Nate List, because it would have never existed if there wasn't one, Nate List. So let's talk about some of these running backs that are on the breakout finder. And let's talk about not Bijan Robinson, because I think that's a, a that's been beaten completely down to the center of the earth to this point. But who will be the second running back drafted in the NFL draft, do you think, uh, here in about two weeks from yesterday? Uh, Jameer Gibbs has a current ADP of 39.9. Devon Achain, 68. Zach Charbonnet, 71. And our man, Roshan Johnson, 84. Who do you think comes out the board second? And uh, is it anybody other than Gibbs? No, it's it's not. And that's the thing. Like, I, I think the league has kind of shown its hand here a little bit with Gibbs. I, I'm more convinced than ever that he goes RB2, especially when we look at some of these mock draft boards. It looks like right now he's got a 35% chance of going in the first round based on consensus mocks. With that being said, guys like A-Chain, Charbonnet, and Roshan are all less than 6.5%. So I I believe at this point it's got to be Gibbs. So I just released my mock draft 5.0. You can find it at playerprofiler.com in the free NFL section, and you can find NFL mock draft 5.0. It's right there. Bing, bang. Jameer Gibbs. Um, I've not obviously a proponent of putting a running back in round one, but because Bijan went so high and has been consistently pushed to that eight spot by the Falcons, which is where I put him as well, I ended up with Gibbs in Cincinnati. Mm. at 28 overall Alabama's had 41 running backs drafted all time Gibbs would be the fifth since 2011 and third since 2019 Gibbs in Cincinnati what does that do for your visuals of I don't know the running back class or him I mean I guess when we're we're considering these teams like the Bengals are definitely a, a roster that if we go back and look I think last year they ranked number 8 in the league with a 22.2% target share to the running back position. We've seen Joe Mixon thrive given some of that opportunity. I I'm not a, I, I don't hate it at all. I think anytime you can put him in an offense with one of the league's best quarterbacks, dynamic receivers on the outside to really open things up, that would be an excellent spot and maybe more of the style of back that would open this offense up, you know, beyond what we've actually seen from Mixon. How much correlation because obviously uh Clyde Edwards-Hilaire infamously played with Joe Burrow at LSU and that was like yes. the direct correlation to like oh Clyde's going to translate right to be the pass catching back but now we see like in Alabama uh Jameer Gibbs has 44 receptions last year averages 10 per and then you say okay well he hasn't had a Clyde type he's a, he's had like you know the bigger 220 pound back and Joe Mixon you put a guy like Jameer Gibbs now in Cincinnati 199 pounds you know does that kind of shift what this offense really is. I know they still have Higgins, Boyd, Chase, all this stuff downfield, but then opening up that that kind of behind the line of scrimmage and right at the line of scrimmage, that threat with Jameer Gibbs, I feel like that would that is a world where he's 200 pounds, so generally you're not going to be thinking about him as a top one or two running back in the class, but if he's in an offense like that, do you think – it's kind of a massive question here, but 
thinking about it from this context, if he lands in Cincinnati, being with Burrow, and thinking back to Clyde, would that have enough juice to think about Gibbs in a higher uh, expectation or higher tier than what he's perceived right now? Yeah, I think Gibbs has clearly validated himself as just an overall, just a much better player on paper than we saw from Clyde Edwards. Clyde Edwards was certainly the the byproduct of of a great offense of a single year, um, especially in college, right? Like, and especially at LSU that particular year where everything was really firing. But what we saw from him were just elite numbers in the receiving game on top of the fact that I don't have expectations for him to be a big volume runner based on how big his target share was. Um, I think when we look at last year, I think he only had a 33% team market share of rush attempts, which for some people has been, sort of a net negative for Gibbs. But I think when we looked at some work that Peter Howard did, he did validate that guys that have been targeted uh, while in college do tend to trend that same line going into the NFL. It often becomes a part of their game when they get to the league. But we look at him, 54.8% breakaway run rate, which was RB4 in the class. I know he keeps getting comp to Kamara. I think that that's – I think dynamically I like the idea, but not the tackle breaker, clearly. Minus 15 pounds, so – there's quite a bit to be worried about, but this is a guy that had over three, I think it was three yards per route run was what he averaged at the end of last year. So dynamically, he just opens up the field a lot. And he's more than just dump offs to the backfield. So in this offense, I think it opens it up much more than we would have seen with a guy like Clyde. Clearly, uh, even though we did see some games where Clyde was, you know, a functional runner out of the backfield. That L pretty hard though. That's that didn't work out for the best Cody. Hey, you took it on the chest. You took it on the chest like a champ. And Jameer Gibbs, he's good at taking things on the chest as well. And I think being in Cincinnati, he's an elite pass catcher and he's an elite blocker uh, Mm -hmm. when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. So I think that's something that will also benefit Joe Burrow. And that is one of my notes that I have in the rookie guide right now. You can get the rookie guide at playerprofiler.com. It's at the top of the player pages it's the nfl draft section it's in the dynasty deluxe section you can find it over there for ten dollars and you get a playstyle comp i didn't put elvin Kamara on here because he's 15 pounds lighter i put james cook uh, but you can see a whole list of top five comparables from playerprofiler.com including naheem hines and those others like that but on to the next one how do you attack running backs in fantasy rookie drafts is it automatic that you would take one uh if they're there if you perceive him to be the best available on the board or would you take a running back or sorry, if you or would you take a wide receiver because you need that depth or the long-term upside? Currently, the ADP is Bijan at one, Gibbs three, Charbonnet six, and Roshan nine uh, from PlayerProfile.com. Uh, so yeah, would you would you take the running back just because he's there, or would you, you kind of look at wide receiver position as far as depth goes? Yeah, you know it's interesting. Uh, the upper part of this running back class, I really do like the top. You know, three guys, maybe four guys. The the question kind of. Begins to unwrap, and again, we don't have draft capital. That could certainly change things. So it's a hard, it's a hard statement at this point. But one of the big things is I feel like running back is a really tricky spot right now because it hasn't been as devalued as it is right now. When we think about guys, um, essentially the great running back reset, as I've referred to it, you know, we've watched veterans age out, whether it's Dalvin, whether it's Elliott, whether it's Kamara, whether it's Fournette. We're watching it happen to Mixon. I mean, you just talked about Jameer Gibbs landing there. And then we talk about these top-end guys. Jonathan Taylor has had injuries, and his value has been cut significantly in fantasy. Brees Hall lost a year. Javante lost a year. Travis Etienne missed a year with part of his injury. And then just recently, we came back around from the Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey can never stay healthy years. So it's really weird when you think about these backs. Nobody's generally healthy. So... I think when we look at the undersized wide receiver class and a lot of these running backs, for me, more than ever, location of draft spot and draft, you know, uh, location in the in the selection process is going to matter more to me than than ever because I know we talk about landing spot doesn't matter. Well, guess what? It mattered for Rashad Bateman and it mattered for guys like AJ Dillon. Um, so I think it's hard to say. I, I really want to do, you know, I want to go after the running backs this year because I'm a little less confident about the wide receivers. But again, landing spot is everything to me this year. I like that. Let's do some rapid fire here through the top six of the class um, because I think the top six for most people is pretty similar, but the order is definitely different. Um, first off, number one and two, is it Bijan and Gibbs for you? We already talked about those two guys. Yes, that's correct. Bijan and Gibbs, one and two. And now is kind of where it turns for whoever you're talking to. For me personally, I like Roshan as a company for fantasy. We have Charbonnet there. 
but I've been pushing for Roshan for a long time. I've seen A-Chain at two. Noah Hills has tweeted about that. I had him on the show last week. or I was on his show last week, and he was talking about Devon A-Chain being two. Where do you sit with this 3-4 spot? Yeah, uh, so Charbonnet is is three for me. I think that's a pretty fair. I, he's a lot safer than A Chain is. Uh, you know, I put out a tweet the other day. You replied to it about the sliver of hope for A Chain. Like, if he's not Chris Johnson, I don't know who he is. Right? Like that's yep. that's unfortunately he's on the smallest island in existence. He's got one foot on a sponge and he's floating in the ocean right now. And that's the only hope for me. But um, for me, it's Charbonnet at three, and I, I'm I'm addicted. I got Kendra Miller at four. Uh, you yes. know, I really do have. I have yes. a hard time moving off of Kendra, man. I really do. Are you, are you a fan I of Kendra? I, I love that. Me and uh, me and Alex Dunlap have had many a conversation. Last year, the the conversation was always Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, back and forth, back and forth. When I was talking to Alex this year, it's been all about Kendra because we've been trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Right? He's not even twenty one years old yet. Yep. He didn't test at the combine. What was the problem? And then when I asked him at the combine what he why he wasn't testing, he said he was he had knee surgery and then he wasn't going to test throughout the entire process. A lot of people in the fantasy community didn't hear or listen to that, so they're like, "Oh, he's going to test at the pro day." And then they get to yep. the pro day, Alex goes and talks to him, and he was like, "No, nah, man, I'm good. I'm probably not going to be, you know, we're probably not going to practice for at rookie camps because he's going to just stay smart, stay healthy." But he said by OTAs he's going to be a hundred percent. So I think that he's fine. But I'm still a little bit of confusion as far as – so this is where I'm sitting. Yeah. I think from a pure running back standpoint, I would have him too if I knew he was 100% healthy. Yep. Number two is Charbonnet went back to school last year after his junior season because the NFL didn't like it. Whether he wants to say it's because of receptions or not, it's because the NFL didn't give him what he wanted to hear. Sure. Kendra is now coming out a year after having a touchdown in every single game, surpassing Zach Evans and being an animal for TCU. And he's a year younger. Yep. How do you weight those two different things? I love that you have Kendra at four right now for me in my grades, Kendra came in at four, just a touch behind Roshan. Who's at three for me. I have Charbonnet at five. Yep. In NFL draft grades. <clears throat> How do you weigh like the the worry? Because for me, like if I didn't have any worry in the world, I think Kendra would be too, and it wouldn't be close. Yeah, I think the hard part with Kendra again, like I I've always been sort of a, a PPR snob. So number one, Kendra has proved that he can he can live within the passing game a little bit, but it's not a hallmark a hallmark to his game. We've certainly seen more of it out of Charbonnet uh, between these two players. The other part of it, like I was telling you, sort of pre-show. I've really changed sort of my fantasy style to, at least during this draft process, pre-draft, a combination of sort of reading the tea leaves and looking into what correlates. And we know, you know, short of something crazy happening, I think Kendra Miller, I hope he goes in the third round. I've got a gut feeling that he goes in the fourth, um, which really, I kind of think that he's going to end up in the fourth round, but to, to defend him, here's, Here's why I have Charbonnet. Let me just say, here's why I have Charbonnet over him. I think Charbonnet checked every box, came in with requis- requisite athleticism, was a pass catcher, showed, showed the production we needed, third most runs over 15 yards in all of college football, right behind, right behind Bijan, yards created after contact at 4.15. I mean, literally does everything, does everything. Then with a guy like Kendra Miller, you know, he's splitting time a little bit. Obviously, quarterbacks using some rush attempts. Zach Evans finally gets pushed out of the way, um, and he sort of gets this, this free run to take over, and he was great. This was also a guy, I did a video on Kendra Miller, who had a GPS measure of 21.9 miles per hour, which would have been a top three play last year. There was a lot of points when I went into his information where he actually paralleled Brees Hall pretty close, which was surprising. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate that we didn't get to see him test because part of my video was going back in time, talking about how pre-combine, nobody thought Brees Hall was going to go and absolutely slay that thing. And I had a feeling that Kendra Miller, there was a little bit of that with him too. I think he was being underappreciated as an athlete. And that's part of the reason I still have him here because I think there are people that have him much lower than me. I know a lot of draft analysts have him a lot lower than four. And I understand yep. you, you know, your theory on putting him at two. I think deservedly so. If he had put in a stellar combine, that yep. would have given me more confidence. But if he ends up a fourth-round guy, um, 
it's it's going to be difficult for me to still consider ranking him here because the climb to the top, even when we love these guys, is very, very difficult if they don't have the investment from the team, right? I mean, we, we look at what happened last year with the Chiefs, for example. Uh, Pacheco, right, kind of comes out of nowhere but had requisite athleticism. There's no guarantee that that job is his to start this year. I mean, that thing could be gone like that. And I feel like with Kendra Miller, um, I just have those – concerns right now that it's not a guarantee if you're a guy at the bottom, but we could see a situation like that in the right offense, him ascend, let's say Detroit could ascend, you know, to the lead dog in this offense or a situation like that. Potentially I'm not on Swift. (laughs) So his current ADP on, on NFL mock draft database is one twenty two, which is running back 12. Yep. Behind Dwayne McBride, Chase Brown. It's it's but this is like the class, right? Anything after really anything after Gibbs. I mean, some people have like a, a pretty solid thought that Charbonnet is a second round pick. But again, I still have questions about this. I mocked it there. But um, anything really after Charbonnet, I guess, is kind of a toss up. It feels like as far as where these guys are going to go between round three and four and five, um, just because there's been no clear angle. Um Five running back five after Kendra. Yes, is that Roshan? That is Roshan. That's that's where Roshan comes okay. in for me. And to be honest with you, I could see and I expect this to happen that when draft day comes and goes, I think these two guys are going to flip positions for me because and Kendra might even slide back just a touch more depending on what happens because we just can't continue to lean into a guy that that doesn't you can't have tape lock. I'll never have tape lock again. But. With Roshan, if he goes in the second round, or again, even the third round, uh, if he gets you know requisite draft capital, go ahead. You look like you want to say something. No, I was going to let you finish. I'm not going to cut you off. I don't, oh, I don't you, do well, you leaned into the mic like this is my moment. I saw like chest poked out a little that. bit. So, I, good, well, good. I appreciate that, man, because I don't do that either. Um, I saw a, a mock draft come out recently where Roshan went to Kansas City, and that exact that to me was exactly the situation that I'm speaking of where a guy like Roshan comes and just basically goes, get the fuck out of the way. Like this is, this is mine now. And that's a perfect situation. Um, So I think if Roshan goes round two, which there is some speculation, but I think most likely it seems like round three is kind of where his wheelhouse might be either way running back five right now feels safe. I'm confident in this rank, um, but I could see him going up even a spot from here. So this is what I was going to say, and you kind of yeah. walked right into it, is the is the draft capital and the location. So you have Charbonnet 3, Kendra yeah. 4, and Roshan 5, and you talk about potential movement. I just dropped this mock draft on Thursday night. Miami, 51st overall, goes Charbonnet. Mm. Mm, okay. Kendra okay. goes 58th to Dallas. Ooh, so you think that Kendra is going round two? You believe it? And Roshan goes 62nd to Philadelphia. Ooh, I, I love, I think the Philly thing is great. I really do because they're all, they're going to be sniffing around the goal line all the time. I mean, I, I love that fit for him, you know, with his ability to break tackles and just what he can bring to the game. And he's a better pass catcher than given credit for, by the way, as yeah. well. But um, I'm I'm so I just got to ask you. So Kendra Miller <clears throat> going round two. What what makes you think that he goes round two? Just because him in comparison to the classes that exist, or have you heard? teams kind of talk him up that gives you this idea i'm trying to tie lines together and this is mm-hmm. pretty much all you can do while you're doing mocks right i spent the last 28 hours working on this on this mock draft and really a line i kept tying was javante williams and you look at javante williams and what he did at north carolina playing with michael carter that third year is when he went over a thousand yards he was 510 sure. 212 pounds right he was the 35th overall pick Right, he he didn't come out with a he didn't have knee surgery the week after the season ended, but he came in out five ten two ten, Kendra five eleven two fifteen. He doesn't test. I can't, I from a play style comparison, I put Javante Williams. Player profiler has him as Alexander Madison. He had twenty four hundred yards. Javante had twenty three hundred yards, twenty seven touchdowns, twenty nine. You look at the receptions, fifty for Javante in three seasons. Kendra thirty, a little bit less of a receiver, but I think that they both have this. Uh, 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 I don't know what you could call it, a, an angry tenacity to their running style. Sure. Um, I think elite contact balance and the lower body dexterity, I think, is is pretty similar. I don't. I think from a from an NFL stance, at twenty point eight years old, 
you want a guy like this. And again, I don't want to draft running backs high in general, but if you're an NFL team looking at this whole entire cast of running backs, mm-hmm. Kendra's a guy that you saw consistently do it around the goal line, take a job away from a five-star running back that's also in this class and also in the same area. I, I don't know. I think that he's one that's being extremely overlooked, right? Roshan's kind of kind of came back to the mean, and I guess, and he's yep. what, he's now projected as RB six off the board. Like that's I think that's a better area. I still think he's going to go higher than that. His ADP's one hundred one. Um, I think you know Jim Nagy would tell you, and Jim Nagy's as plugged in as anybody that he's going to be a, a third round pick, worst case scenario. But I think that Kendra is one of those as well. That it's a toss up. Who knows where he's going to go? He could go second. He could go sixth. Not sixth, probably fifth, but you, you get late. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah no, I got you. I, he's got. Pro- I mean, I think what you're saying is he might have one of the widest range of any any running backs. I, I, and I and I think he does. Oh, because, Yeah, and, and that's a huge thing. And then the fact that no team knows anything about him athletically. And here was one of the conversations I had with somebody but that I've been. Working you just said with. the Miles Prower thing, though. Okay, no, that's what I was just think- going to get to. No, 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 I was just going to get to that. I think that teams really have begun tracking these things digitally. Um, You don't hear about it often. There was a thread I was looking at the other day, and it was talking about some internal stuff amongst organizations, and they are using GPS tracking, and they are using video analysis, and a lot of this stuff is being implemented currently. That's why I'm starting to not care quite as much about how the combine breaks because – I think, you know, number one, and I don't know where you are on this line, like obviously whatever you do at the combine is is what you've prepared yourself for and whatever gifts and training you've put in, that's what you're going to produce on that given day, right? And by the way, if a guy doesn't know how to run out of the blocks, he's going to put up a vastly different number than a guy that fucking trains to do it. So it's kind of, it's a tryout and you practice for these events and then your numbers necessarily get better. Um, but with a guy like Kendra Miller, for example, he is one of the guys where I want to believe that the league is using these other external options to validate the athleticism, the explosiveness, you know, decisiveness, you know, behind the line when when looking at gaps. Like I think all these things can be measured, um, and I'm seeing a lot of this done amongst some other groups of people. And I think eventually we'll get to this place because look how many running backs, how many guys tested in agility drills this year? It was like Evan Hall and one other guy. Fucking none. Nobody's doing them, and they haven't been doing them for years. So is the league just going, fuck it, we don't need to know? No, what the league is probably doing is going, look, we need an insurance policy. I need to know as much about these guys as we can possibly know. Get me that info. And you know where there is a necessity, that breeds innovation. And I'm sure the GPS thing, and I'm sure other items have been implemented. We just, at our level, we're not using those yet. So some dude on Twitter has this thread here and it shows the miles per hour thing. And mm-hmm. among the top of the class, it's Gibbs, Keaton Mitchell, Kendra. Yes, A-chain, exactly. Yeah. Abanacanda. And when you yep. look at Gibbs, you look at Keaton Mitchell, you look at a chain and you look at Abanacanda. Yep. I think you have one guy that ran the four fours and it was Abanacanda, And it was like yeah. a maybe, right. You and he's, b- and he's big and he's, he's big as shit. But yeah. Kendra's right in the middle of all those yes. guys that are all, yes. all hit 21 miles per hour. Yes. And that was the thing for me. He hit 21.9 miles per hour. And it's like, and maybe, and again, maybe this is me reading the tea leaves the wrong direction, feeling like third, third round felt I was more comfortable with the third, but I feel like if I was putting money on it, it was the fourth. But to your point, when, when you look at the landscape and you look at his body of work, I'm sure there's a team out there that needs to invest in running back. But again, how much poker is being played? How many times are people going like it's being on like a carousel? They're like, fuck it. I think I can go one more time around before, you know, my players off the board. Um, Cause we talk about how deep this draft class is, but reality is it's deep, but not with guys that look like a band of Canada, not with guys that look like Kendra Miller Roshan. Like it's a very lean class. And I'm sure we're going to talk about a handful of these guys here in a minute. Um, but to your point, I hope you're right. I would love to see Kendra end up somewhere with requisite draft capital because I think objectively through the advanced metrics, he did validate that he is absolutely worth a day two selection at minimum. All right, let's close out the conversation on these three guys with those landing spots, Roshan to Philly, Kendra to Dallas and Charbonnet to Miami, all within 10 picks of each other. What's the rain? What's the order of those three guys after that? Oh man. Um what well, oh, Dallas. Yeah, rank Roshan those guys. to Philly. Ooh, yeah. 
Yeah. And Charbonnet to Miami. Uh, I would probably go, I'd probably go Kendra to Dallas, Roshan to Philly, Charbonnet to Miami. Interesting. Interesting. Where are you at on that? I, I'm, I would, yeah. I mean, as long as Kendra's healthy, I would say Kendra. Yeah, this is assuming and, and ceilings. Yeah, this yeah. is assuming ceilings. That's yeah. where I would be with those guys. Yes. And Roche, yeah, Roshan's also a year older, and he's got Gainwell and Jalen Hurts there. Like, there's a Kendra, lot going on there. Kendra's so young, man. Kendra, so Kendra is going to get the full workload if he's healthy, and and if he goes round two, I think they're going to think he's healthy. All right, so let's discuss running back six through ten here. Uh, also, where can people find your full rankings, write ups, stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, guys, Patreon.com forward slash I'm outraged. Like Cody mentioned, that's where uh, I've been writing a lot of sort of advanced um, rookie analysis right now. DynastyRankings.com, which is coming here within a month or so, that's where you guys will be able to find. All of our rankings, and as Cody kind of knows in the background, we've designed a really sophisticated algorithm that's going to do some really unique stuff and help us try to get a little closer to uh, the center of the bullseye with some of these players. So it'll be fun in the future. That's where you guys can find it. Let's talk through 6 through 10 here. Yeah. Right now, do you have a preferred target in this range, the 6 through 10 range, or is it just kind of like this grouping of Evans, Bigsby, Abanacanda, do you have those guys in that in that list? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a band of Canada for me because, again, like, I, and and this is pretty common, with the exception of Jameer Gibbs, who deservedly so is going to end up where he ends up. These are all bigger running backs. What we're doing right now is we're sifting and we're panning the big running backs out at this point because after we get done talking about a band of Canada, the shit gets real small until we get to <laughs> a, a handful of these other guys, right? So, uh. For me, and you know, some of his numbers came through um, the the pro day numbers, and they were pretty ridiculous. The athleticism was clearly off the charts. Uh, bursts is off the charts. Forties off the charts. So for a guy that's two sixteen, um, it's hard to not like him here. Now the question is, you know, where is the league going to have him amongst this group? Because it looks like mock drafts. I, I don't agree with the mock drafts. Where I tend to agree right now with maybe where Kendra is because some of the questions. I don't think a Banacanda is going to go in the fourth round, which some mocks have had him. If Kenny and Wong, you went, he went like 120 overall last year. Yeah. And that's like, for me, for me early on, before I had like watched a Banacanda, I was like, I'm not falling for this last name bullshit. If I can't pronounce it right away, I'm not going for it. Even (laughs) if he's an athlete. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, and my call. boy Maddie Kiwum goes, you need to just watch a Banacanda. He's going to be an athlete, and he's bigger, and he's better than Ken A. Wongu. And I was like, nope, same dude. Yeah. And then I watched him, and I was like, all right, right, well, this guy has probably the best long speed in the class. He, I think he struggles a little bit with like uh, vision behind the line of scrimmage and kind of finding the holes. But when he hits the hole, I think it's gone. And 5'11", 215, running a 4'4", it's like – to me, it's like a better version of Ronald Jones. And he, he's kind of got like high knee style, like a Melvin Gordon type. That's where I was like, I was like a Melvin Gordon slash Ronald Jones type is where kind of I landed with him. Right. He, you know, it's interesting with him because he's, I think he's one of the guys that had the lowest rate of usage in between the tackles, or at least like a gap rushes. And he's also a guy that didn't force very many missed tackles per touch. Like he's, he's slippery. He's obviously, he's a, a track guy, you know, former track guy, but, he seems like one that really needs to get to the outside. And, and then we look at him again, like never targeted more than four times in 2022. But if you're going to use like targets per route run, he was at 17.6%. Like that to me, if you want to go into some like drunken stupor and and find yourself pacing in your front lawn at like 2 a.m. questioning your sanity, then look at target share where a guy got fucked and then look at his targets per route run and go, oh, no, no, actually, no. He's decent on a per you know route basis, but that's not often the case. Um, but he also, correct me if I'm wrong, allowed a super high rate of uh, hurries during pass pro. Like I, I think his pass pro wasn't really that great either based on some of the information that I was looking at. So let's do the math. The, the guy's being potentially projected in the fourth round, not being targeted, not that elusive, not rushing on the inside, and not good at pass protection. So I don't know, man. Am I wrong about this? I have him at six, but it's concerning. When you say not in the fourth round, does that mean you're in third round or you're in fifth round? Yeah, I think he's a third round guy. Like I, okay. I don't think yeah. I don't think he goes fourth yeah. round. I think he's a third round guy. But it it's yeah. 
it's scary to me when we start to do the math on this shit, because if I've convinced myself that Kendra is a fourth round guy, but now I've convinced myself that a Banacanda is a third round guy. But to me, Kendra's numbers were better significantly in many different areas than a Banacanda. But you get that athleticism, you get that size. I think opportunity tends to come with that. Um, so that's why I think for me is at six. Yeah, you don't just trip into 2,000 rushing yards in three seasons. So um, these guys all have warts and issues. Um, but one thing you can't teach is you can't teach hyper-athleticism at 215, 220 pounds. Right. And that's one thing that a Banacanda does have. And like I mentioned before, Kenny and Wongu went 119 last year, and Wongu had 700 career rushing yards and 2,400 uh, special teams yards. So that is kind of one thing that elevated him, whereas a Banacanda has over 2,000 rushing yards, and he has south of 500 uh, return yards. Um, so it's kind of like a different, obviously, thing. I, I know I compared those guys. I just wanted to take tie that line in there. I do think a Banacanda has uh, hyper upside and he's yet to be 21 years old as well, just like Kendra. So yep. I think a Banacanda is an interesting one. Um, Matt loves him. He comped him to Tevin Coleman. That's, that's who he wants uh, as the best comparable player profiler um, because Matt loved Tevin Coleman. Uh, let's move on to number seven. Uh, it's just, okay. Go on. I'm sorry. Just great. The way that you present this information. Okay. Can I ask you, uh, your, your six running back. Did you, you mention who do you have at six? Like who's your six? I have Bijan Gibbs, yep. Yep. Roshan, Kendra okay. Charbonnet tank. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I dude, I think you can divide this up a lot. I think Charbonnet at five for some people might be a little crazy, but uh, yeah, just because, yeah, because of where he'll land. But uh, no, I get it. Let's yeah, I, I I have Charbonnet five. That's again, I, I mentioned it earlier, but I've mentioned it a hundred times on on uh, on the Player Profiler uh, Podcast Network, and that is that the NFL didn't want him last year. And that's what really worries me is the NFL didn't want him. Then I compare him to a David Montgomery type right now. I know he runs hard. I know he finishes forward. He's got good vision. He can, he can catch the ball now, but he went back to school because he said that he needed to work on pass catching. And uh, I don't know. It's just, it scares me off a little more than the rest of these guys. Um, but yes, on to seven after yeah. a Banacanda. Are you sticking with speed here? Yeah, I'm going speed. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, I'm sorry, man. I'm going speed here. I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the great shot to the nuts. I'm gonna go Devon A chain right here. The layup. The layup. Um, yeah, I mean, so I wrote up one of the, <laughs> one of the one of the uh, articles that you know you mentioned that I write. Um, Devon A chain falls into this rare group of individuals. Uh, there's it's the 50-10 group, right? So it's 50% of the rush attempts, 10% of the target share in a career best season. And I'll mention this later in the show too, but this this 50-10 combination has uncovered players like Bijan, Jonathan Taylor, Brees Hall, Najee, Saquon, Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, like the who's who fall into this category. And I understand that Devon A-Chain is 188 pounds and not big, and his only saving comp is Chris Johnson. Um, but I think the league likes him enough. I think he's clearly going to be a second round guy. I, I want to say he's a second round guy, but I've seen him bleed yeah. into the early third, but call him a second round guy. But I want to believe a team like say Miami could figure out how to use a guy like this, right? Like a creative coaching staff could figure out how to use him Right. But that's what scares me if, if we're being honest about where I've got him, because if you have to say he has to be used in a particular way, then that becomes problematic. But Devon A-Chain, he wasn't restricted to just outside runs either. This is a guy that did perform on the inside, um, even though two-thirds were to the outside, but he was perform- you know, he performed well on the inside, 6.4 yards per carry on the outside. Um, I think they had, what, 47 carries up the middle last year. But he's a guy that had proved himself as an athlete, proved himself as a pass catcher, and was has been dominant for years while playing in the SEC. So I think with his draft capital, it's seven. Um, I don't think this is a shocking location. All right. I'm going to go ahead and bury – uh, Devon A chain right here. We're going to call him. You said the ceiling was Chris Johnson, which I a hundred percent agree with. I think that yes. is in the range of outcomes, but it's a hyper range of outcome. And I, and I, and I think that the reason I have him much lower and I just think that the, the general community that is high on a chain, I think it's the easy tie, right? It's Chris Johnson, CJ Spiller. And I'm just afraid that like, those are, you're going back 15 years to a world where Chris Johnson could took, could take 300 touches. And that's what scares me. 
We're like, we know a chain's not going to get that. So I'm going to bury him and I'm going to put him at 76 overall in the early part of round three to the new England Patriots. I actually love that. I mean that. Okay. I, I, I don't, by the way, really? I, don't that, I don't know. I don't think that's bearing him. Well, why would it be the team? That's the most notorious for targeting a running back out of the backfield. Like, there's always been a place for a guy to be the focal point of the passing game in New yeah. England. And with that being said, I actually don't hate why you think I would have hated that spot. I hate it. Well, I mean, I, but I don't know why, because I think that with a guy like Devon A. Chain, like his real upside was as a pass catcher. Like he can break off extended plays. And if you can get him into space, he's exceptional. But as you already stated, I don't see him as a guy with more than 11 carries a game. Like I don't expect yep. him to be a guy that's toting the rock 23 times, but if we can get him in, in new England, it's very possible seven and a half, you know, a 10 carries a game, get him, you know, six targets a game or something like that. Then he can be a dynamic weapon in fantasy football. And that would be one of the rare locations. Now, Mac Jones has been ultra stinky and that's a bit concerning, but how long do you think Bill's going to hold on? Like, I really do think that they're trying to get playmakers. So um, I don't hate, I actually don't hate it. I think that might actually save his value to be quite honest with you. I think there's a lot of spots he could go and it wouldn't be as good. All right. For the rest of Nate's top 10, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash I'm outraged. It's, it's I'm outraged, right? Not an outraged. Right? Uh, yeah, I'm outraged. Uh, now you got me questioning forward slash I'm outraged. Yeah, that's what it is. There you go. That's what I thought. I thought I, thought I fucked Thanks. it up. In a minute. You got me. No, so you're good. Go find his running back rankings eight through 10 over there. Uh, we've been talking for quite a minute, so I'm going to speed up some of these questions. I know you love these small school sub athletes. Do you see anyone from the Damian Pierce, the James Robinson, the Philip Lindsay area of this draft that kind of interests you? Sub athletes. Uh, see, that's, that's the thing I get <laughs> sub, sub athlete, probably not, but I'll throw a name out there. That's kind of one of these like later round guys. Um, you know, again, obviously we know that I'm not the, the hugest fan of these players, but, um, Lou Nichols, if we're talking about like late guys, guys with some size, this was another guy, 5'9", 222, um, fell into that 50-10 threshold. Uh, 2021 is obviously his hallmark season, 2,100 all-purpose yards, 65.8% of the team's uh, rush attempts, 11% target share, the MAC Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, he, this is a guy that also got offers from Pitt, Purdue, UCLA, Kentucky, but he was banged up in 2022, and I think that's been held against him by a lot of other people. Um, and this was probably a big reason why we saw in 2021 and in 2020, his breakaway run rate was over 40%, and then last year it dipped to 18.2%. So he's probably a guy that more than likely is a seventh-round pick if he gets lucky and a team really likes him. But I would say more than you know, more likely than not, he ends up a, a priority-free agent. But again, this is a guy, if I was going to pick one, and we're going way out of the way. This is a guy that I actually like. Do you have a? I didn't see a speed coming in on him. Um, to me, he didn't look like the fastest fella, and I didn't mm -hmm. see any pro day numbers on him. Uh, no, nothing. I didn't see anything come in on him. But yeah. from all the stuff that I've read from other people and, and the stuff that I've seen, he does look bursty. I mean, I don't think that he yeah. looks completely washed. I've seen some guys that I thought yeah. looked a hell of a lot slower. So it's really hard to say, but I think he looks explosive enough. And some of the scouts have talked about this being one of these guys that in the right yep. roster could ascend to, you know, a Khalil Herbert type role um, and sort of break through the mold. So um, he's a guy that's going to be way down the list on a lot of people's drafts, uh, especially come draft day. But anyways, that's a guy that I do like. I got him at running back 26 for a couple of reasons. He had a hamstring injury. He does have a 37 inch vertical and he weighed 222 yep. pounds. Came in at 5'10", so he's got a good size on him, 22 bench reps. He's not weak. I compared him to Thomas Rawls, yes. forgetting that Thomas yes. Rawls went to Central Michigan. Can't Completely forgot yeah. that he that he went there. And I, Dude, uh, I, like, I thought damn, the I can't do same that. thing. That's hilarious. Really? Yes. Yeah, I did know Thomas Rawls. That's hysterical, man. I literally was like watching him. I go, this is like, this reminds me of like yes. Thomas Rawls for some reason. So I typed in Thomas Rawls college highlight and it popped yep. up and I was like, no, what, what are we doing here? Yeah. 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 Um, yep. But yeah, I mean, the the a couple of years ago, he absolutely dominated 2021 for Central Michigan. I think he had 381, what I got you, 381 touches on the yeah. season. And then, of course, this kind of last year really fell off. I thought coming into the coming into the college football season, he was going to be talked about in this top 10, but he, he's obviously fallen off a little bit. He's going to be in the later round con contention. Yeah. Um, my guy in this range is Tion Evans and uh, Aiden Borgay from Harvard. So write mm. those ones down. And those are some uh, those are some dogs on the dog rating right there. Um, all right. 
So if you're building a team in the NFL, yes. when are you drafting a team, Nate? Now we're not playing fantasy. We're playing NFL. When are you drafting a running back? And who from this class would you be targeting if you were the GM? Man. And you can't have Bijan. You can't have Bijan. Um, so, okay, here, here's the deal. I, I certainly can't justify a day one pick. Uh, probably, you know, the, the second round, day two, uh, mostly, because we look at these guys with the success of these late round runners. I'm still honestly amazed that anybody's spending a first round pick on running backs whatsoever. And the running back position carries an 18% higher injury rate than any other position right off the bat. And we talked about earlier, every running back that's ever been number one in dynasty has fucking fallen a significant injury at some point. So it's going to happen to everybody. Uh, so to me, I think it would be a guy like a Banacanda. Again, going back to him, because you look at the success of teams that drafted an Alvin Kamara, a Kareem Hunt, a David Johnson in the third completely changes the dynamic of an offense. And I think that's where a Banacanda ends up is a day three option. So for me, if I had to pick one, I know we already talked about him, but this was a guy I had preloaded here. Um, that would be the player I would target as an NFL team. I think that's a good good one too, because you're looking at that third round, potentially fourth round area. So that's exactly where you should be taking advantage of the athletes in the middle rounds of the draft. I love that. Last question. Yes. After the top 10 or top 12, give me one or two guys that you're most excited to track over the next year with a chance to break out. Tight end is usually an easy position to do this for because you can just throw yeah. them on the taxi squad, quarterback, same thing. But the running back position, give me one or two guys yeah. that you want to track or put on the taxi squad. Man, I, I well, see I, the, see, I didn't understand that that's what we were talking about here. I just thought we were talking about guys outside well, the top 10. So I got two. So let's, just go, that, let's just do that. Then. Is, let's just do that. Then. Two guys that I just want to follow. So we're going to go Dwayne McBride, number one of the two guys. It's clearly a player. Uh, was not used as a pass catcher uh, whatsoever, but also <laughs> saw the highest rate of stacked boxes amongst anybody in the draft eligible class. Over 70% of his carries came against stacked defensive fronts. But he also had the highest rate of yards created after contact amongst all these rushers um, at 4.6. So basically, he's like Roshan in a lot of ways to me, a little smaller, but did a lot of the things that Roshan did in terms of tackle breaking and volume and focal point. I mean, you know, so that's why I love him. The second one is going to be Evan Hull. Um, obviously, slightly smaller. I see him mocked in the sixth or seventh round of these drafts, which to me is a little bit shocking for a guy who's 209 pounds because he's literally the same size as Dalvin Cook. But again, he fell into that 50-10 threshold um, or just near with a 47.1% of Northwestern's rush attempts. So this is a guy, look at him, uh, you look at 1.85 yards per route run, which is amongst the top of the class. So his utilization in the passing game, uh, what he did as a runner, and the athleticism, he's a guy that I want to watch. Not ultra confident that he's going to smash in the league, but how many guys look like this and, and did all the fucking tests that nobody else would do, which I really appreciated. Um, so those are the two guys. So you have you have anybody you're cramming in here? So he gets the full test bump. I like that. I like that. It's a full test um, bump, bro. He's not a coward. Full test. Uh, I'll I'll bring my guy back up. Tion Evans. I've mentioned him a few times. Uh, he's my J James Robinson of the class. I think he gets drafted higher than James Robinson. Obviously, um, five nine two twenty five. Number one dog rating in the class for me. Um, he played at Hutchinson Community College, Tennessee, and Louisville. He had five hundred thirty eight, five hundred twenty five, five hundred twenty five rushing yards each of those three seasons. He's got a massive lower frame, torso, ass, legs. Everything's there. Good acceleration, quick feet, and he's a tank. And I think he fits in that James Robinson mold from his running style. And I think it's a guy that's not getting talked about enough. And I have him much higher than way too many people uh, up at RB9 overall in my grades. Mm. Uh, higher than Tyser Spears, higher than Sean Tucker, higher than Devon A-Chain. Okay. I mean, and Aiden Borgay. Aiden Borgay out of Harvard. I'm just going to continue to say his name because nobody's ever going to draft him in fantasy. But I'm just going to keep saying Aiden Borgay from Harvard because as soon as MFL – They'll probably never add him. As soon as Sleeper adds him to their database, <laughs> just throw him on the taxi squad. I love it, man. No, I, I love it. Yeah, I, I wish I would have understood the question better. I would have done a better job. I would have been more no, ready for dude, that. I think Evan Hull's an interesting one because you talk about him being like a sixth, seventh round expectation. There's just like yeah. this running back class is really, really deep. And we've even seen people talk about like there's even draft analysts that are actually like pushing Mohammed Ibrahim and guys like that up. And it's like, okay, yeah, Muhammad Ibrahim on the surface looks good, but, I mean, on the surface, you have to dig down and you realize that it's not even a conversation. But it's just a deeper class with a lot of, a lot of like, Xavier, Zay -Z, I can't say his name, Xavier Valade is very interesting, right? But he's not even the top 20. 
right. he probably shouldn't be. Um, but yeah, it's a deep, deep class. Um, I think it's one that you can take advantage of. Like he said, Evan Hole, six, seventh round is there's four, four, seven Northwestern, 210 pounds with a 97th percentile college target year. Yeah. And you're talking yeah. about the sixth, seventh round of the NFL draft. Yeah. Well, you know, they're, they're obviously throwing a lot of shit out there and seeing what sticks because guys like Ibrahim or whatever, they're, he, he, what he started in 2017 as a red shirt. Fuck, bro. It's 2023. Think about that for a minute. What are we doing? What are we doing out here? All right. Thank you, Nate. I really appreciate yep. you taking the time during this hectic ass season to chop it up. Let the people know what you got cooking over the next few weeks or months. Yeah. And where to yeah. find you. Yeah, absolutely. Again, uh, patreon.com forward slash I'm outraged. Uh, go sign up over at dynastyrankings.com. Guys, put in your email. We're going to start putting some email updates out so you guys can check out what it is that we're cooking over there. And uh, if you want me to do some more shit on Twitter, you're probably going to have to harass me yourself because, like I said before, I'm laying real low. Listen, what's what's Oprah's husband's name? Is it Gail? Is that right? Is it, is she that, has a is husband. It,